Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This guy says we're pivot. You understand just how we living. This for me is like rap religion. Open on beat because we got this Skype. When it comes to this, y'all, I can get it hype. When it comes to this, y'all, calm has risen. How you living, huh? Yo, how you living, pivot? T Wood, what's up, my brother? You're looking in. You you look like you're battle ready. I am battle ready. I'm ready to run through somebody's face ah. with a whole bunch of different types of punches. <laughs> I love it, man. I remember seeing you live when you fought Josh Koscheck, and I remember seeing you for the first time, and I was like, "Is that dude? You look like you were 205 walking into the ring." Yeah, I was like, I walk around at 205 normally, and then um. Usually in the ring, the heaviest I've been in the ring is 197. I'm fighting at 170, but right. as I found out, um, the lower I got, like in between 185 to 190, I was faster and powerful. So it took me a while to find that. But like this time around, I did my whole training camp in Miami. The weigh-in is at 192. Yeah. So this is gonna be a blessing in the skies for me. I'm not gonna have to cut much. I'm not gonna have to cut anyway, to be honest. And you've never had this much power. Never had this much power, never had this much accuracy, technique, defense, agility, cardio. Uh, we run six days a week. We're about to actually head to go run right now. So um, I feel like boxers kind of had it figured out with the with the running and also with the fighting close to your weight. MMA guys, you know, just from the wrestling mindset, we cut so much weight and I always thought, oh, the more I cut, then I'll be a bully down there. But if everybody thinking the same thing, our dumbasses will fight each other when we could just fight at the, you know, 10, 15 pounds heavier. Now, does the fact that you just know as a man when you look at him, at Jake Paul, that, you know, you could absolutely dismantle him, you know, just in terms of a fight if you were allowed to use your skill set? And, and does, does that, is that a help? Does that help you or is that a hindrance when you have to fight in, you know, in this very narrow lane you know it, it doesn't hinder me like my wrestling background like i was an all-american wrestler and you know i was a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and very well versed in all the forms of striking but i didn't use a lot of jiu-jitsu and i didn't use a lot of wrestling because fans want to see what knockouts so i was pretty much a wrestler that actually used mostly boxing in almost all of his fights when i got the job done it was never really wrestling it was never really um, you know, jujitsu. But what I did was I used that threat and I used it in reverse. So if, if I drop down low, people got to respect the fact I may go for a takedown because right. 
you know, I'm a two-time All-American. Or if, or if they try to go for a shot on me, you know, I had the highest takedown defense in the history of the UFC. So at the end of the day, the, the boxing for me is something I've been wanting to do. So I think it's going to be um, an advantage for me. Absolutely. And, and you're laser focused. I mean, you're, you're a mama's boy like I am, you know, yeah, and, I'm, uh, and we're, we're both proud of it. And your yeah. mom's been in camp with you, right? Yeah, this is the first time around. My, uh, Mama Willie always wanted to be in camp. And I said, no, because <laughs> to be honest, women are a part of the training camp for me, too. But to my coach who's driving right now, I try to exclude it. Okay. Um, but it was it was a balance. It was a house full of dudes, a lot of testosterone. You train with a lot of guys. And then, like, I needed that other, you know, I needed, I needed the female, you know, part of it to complete it to balance me. And I used to feel comfortable with my mom around during all that. So I always said no. But but now you can embrace her. I grew up in a family where my parents have been my acting teachers since I was eight years old. And your mom feels like my parents in terms of, and correct me if I'm wrong, she always gives it to you straight. Is that correct? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. To a fault. To a fault. To a fault. Like sometimes I don't want to hear her telling me about use your left hook, and then it, it may be right, but I don't want to hear that technique from my mom. Right. You know what I mean? I, it's I like, mom, how many left know. hooks have you thrown? Except when I was eleven, yeah. I didn't clean my yeah. goddamn room. Yeah. See, <laughs> my sure. my dad used to say to me, and he was my acting coach. He would say, in rehearsal, "There's one actor in this room, and you ain't it. Let's go again." I mean, he came damn, down hard. Damn, that's hey, that's that's. That's pretty harsh, bro. <laughs> but my, my mom, my mom was harsh too, though. She was like, "What you gonna do? You gonna fucking be a bitch? You just sit in the corner? No, you need to get up, get back to training, get up and run." Like she, she, she never played games. How about so. these? How about you know? I've got nieces. I know you got kids, and yeah. all the kids are in therapy now. You know, yeah. when we were kids, therapy was clean your fucking room, bitch. There's your yeah, therapy, sure. right? Get your ass whooped. Exactly. Like from. Like, for me, like, I, I think just it's frowned upon. Like, I don't know about a lot of kids unless they went through, like, a, a divorce and their parents are separated or they went through bullying or whatever like that. But kids are soft these days in general. They're just soft. And and I used to think counseling was soft or just mental health and, like, all these different things. I just thought it was a form of weakness. But then I got to the point where I was, like, went through some shit, man. I lost my belt and I was, you know, had some mental health issues and I was just really dealing with a lot of shit and I recognized it wasn't. It's just something that the community I was brought up into and just uh, a hardcore American society is not. But I do think when it comes down to these badass kids, they really just need discipline. They really go in your room to your PlayStation 7 and your motherfucking, you know what I mean? To your Instagram and to your cell phone and to your computer and to your TV and well, you know, slam the door on me. Yeah, slam the door on me and lock me out and tell me, Mom, get out of here. Some of these kids are cursing their parents out. At 1,000%. I would have died. And speaking of those kids, you're about to fight a kid who, you yeah. know, has a lot of discipline as a YouTuber. I mean, you have to admit, yeah. even even Dana came out and said, listen, you guys want this kind of money, you got to build that YouTube following. So you have yeah. to give it up. It's you know, as you know from navigating, you that. have to, you have to, you have to give it up because are we gonna hit on the Rock because he built so many, so much followers in WWE and now he goes into acting? No, we are gonna salute him. So we can't pick and choose that when an artist decides to do a different form of art 
that we smack the, the, the athlete that's trying to do television, music, or TV, but we embrace, you know what I mean, the, the rapper that went on and played in a fucking CBA or something like that. We can't do that. We can't pick and choose. So what I see is a kid that generated a big following, three of the people fucking wanted to see him get his ass beat, win, doing crazy pranks, and he started learning the market. He learned the market. He learned it. He learned his niche, and he did it so well that 20 million people wanted to watch it and subscribe into it. And they did it like so many videos a week and so many editors. And like now, that's a how are you going to tell me that he don't deserve to fight a big pay per view when he already has shown that people want to watch him? It's not about a sport anymore. It's never like for the last 10 or 15 years, at least in the UFC, it's been about entertainment. Who right. do you want to watch in pay per view? Nobody give a fuck if you deserve the title. Nobody care if you're the number one contender or no shit. If Conor want to fight anybody, he's fighting anybody. You know, I talked to Conor right after he fought Mayweather um, in the locker room. And Conor told me right after he fought Mayweather that he couldn't believe they stopped the fight because when you fight in a cage, your face has to be falling off, literally. And so he couldn't believe they stopped it. Is it going to be interesting? Because you have a totally different mindset. You know when they lock that cage. And so how, how do you adapt to this arena? You know, it's funny. I'm, this is Floyd's trainer right here. Ah. <laughs> and and there it's you funny. Go. He said he said that Connor couldn't believe that they stopped the fight when they were fighting. Because in our cage, but let's say this. Connor stopped. Just stop. Because you were in there with Nate Diaz. He barely applied the choke. You tapped. You were in there with Khabib. He didn't even sink it all the way in. You tap. You know what I mean? So don't bring the MMA mentality. Now, if you were Nate Diaz or if you were um, one of these guys that has just let the eyeball get poked out and keep going and some of them find a way to win, then maybe say that. But you've taken an easy way out. If he's a front leader, if he's started off well and won, then then he was cool. But if it got a little hairy, he never really showed the, the, the gangster he you know, he says he is. But in a fight against Floyd, he got stopped. He got TKO. He was he was hurt and tired before then. And if you want to get any type of credit, it's for lasting at that last moment. You know what I mean? Could have yeah. happened earlier, but he held on a little bit longer than the average post office worker would have. But at the end ah. of the day, you know, we, we, we say what we, we say who we want to say because it sounds cool. Right. It's a big act. It sounds cool, but at the end of the day, like, some of us are really built for this. I grew up fighting. I fought because I had to. I fought because I walked past the gang every day. And I said, well, fuck it. I'm tired of them asking me what's that I'm claiming. So I'm just going to get jumped into the game. I fought because you had a different color on. I fought because you fought my friends. You fought my family. You fought somebody in my neighborhood. I fought for fun. I, we, we used to fight, like, literally fist fight each other for fun and then go play video games afterwards. So some of us have it in our DNA. And um, that's the that's biggest separation between me and Jay. 1,000%. This is a bucket list turned to something. Right. And you know that in your bones, right? So, yeah. you know, to play devil's advocate here, what may, what? how are you going to convince me that you can get up for this fight and you're hungry for it? Because you know you can oh, crush this kid. So what, you know what I mean? Why I'm would anyone bet on you? I'm, su I'm, su I'm super excited about the fight, number one. I've Everybody that comes up to me, hundreds of people on a day-to-day -day basis, oh, my God, you got to knock them the fuck out, like, for me. Like, I don't even know you. Why do I got to knock them out? I know I got to knock them out for my bank account. I got to knock them out for my kids. 
But people are really disturbed by him. And the people that fought him have allowed it to get to him to a point where it took him out of their mindset of actually competing and going out there and winning. Like, I'm set. I'm locked. You know, I tell my training partner yesterday, he was, um, you know, we hadn't trained together for the fight, but I came to St. Louis to see the kids, and we started moving around. He was trying to put all this pressure on me, and I, I can tell you, I watched video, was trying to throw all these straight punches and do all this stuff. I'm like, bruh, I'm ready. I don't need no dumbass accident right now. I don't need you to press me. I'm in crazy shape. I'm mentally sharp. I'm ready to go. I need us to breathe, and I need us for, for us to go a long about a time, 20, 30, 40 minutes straight, and I need to see shots tap and just stay in the rhythm. That's all I got to do. He's and, never, and, and ever, he's never, ever felt your power without headgear. We know Oh, that. he, he, he about to have a problem. He ain't never felt no power. What has he ever felt? You think these sparring partners are hurting him? No, they don't want to miss their little weekly paycheck. They don't want to miss their little chili outfit they're going to get. Their pom-poms they're going to walk out there with looking like an idiot. They don't want to miss their bag. So you think they're hurting them in there? No, my, my training partners, my coach makes run with me every day. Make sure they, as I, because so what happens is you'll start training and sparring with somebody and they just coming in to spar you. They're not in training camp. So as the weeks go by, I get in better shape. I get sharper. I get faster. I get better. And we get that false sense of hope because I'm sparring the same kid from week one, but he's sparring me at week six. My training partner is watching film. I didn't, because I didn't even watch the damn sparring film. My coach didn't have the fucking sparring partners at the house watching film and teaching them to get better to spar me harder. Got them running with us every single day. It's a mindset that I had never seen before. And I was kind of like, no, coach, let them motherfucking ass stay sleep. I don't need them in shape. So as, as, as the weeks went through, the intensity increased on both sides. You know what I mean? Because right. he was trying to get better, too. He had a fight coming up, too. And it's, that's that's the mentality that I know when you're dealing with these sheltered, you know, these sheltered kids. That And don't get that the wrong way. Some sheltered kids are fucking savages. They don't, they don't, the way you were brought up in, in your family, um, you know, thinking ahead doesn't hurt who you are. But sometimes the mentality, like I've heard horror stories about how, how bratty they were on set and, you know, and, uh, crying. I, I didn't want to finish my coffee. I needed that a lot. They, that's what I'm talking about. So you think they end up beating this dude up? He's not even looking at most of his shots. His head's down. He's coming up swinging crazy. Look at look at the guys he's hitting and dropping. Like who's posting videos? Are you knocking your training partner down? Like I need your your ass all week. I don't need you going back home. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Don't go anywhere. How You Live in J-Piven will be right back after we pay some bills. And it's interesting because for you, this is the same engine, different gear. Or it's actually not even a different gear. You know what? It was was easier to train for boxing in many ways, but it was also harder in many ways. It was easier because I didn't have to worry about the grappling, the wrestling, the Muay Thai, the clinch. And that's why we get so injured, man. Like, your body is beat up from fucking sparring, and then now you got to do jujitsu and the strength and condition, and you got to run, and then you got to swim, and you got to sauna, and then come fight week. Right now, I'll be stressing out. I'm like, I would be like, oh, don't get on the scale, get on. you got to get on the scale, dude. Boom, and I would pray to God that it say 180 something, <laughs> 196, right. 195, 193. I mean, you're dropping 35 now, pounds. Yeah, yeah, but but this this was 
harder because boxing coaches, at least good boxing coaches, don't allow you to get away with the bullshit technique we did in MMA. They don't allow your hands to be underneath your chest. They don't allow you to throw punches without meaning. They don't allow you to not have your foot in position, defense before, defense after, extending your punches. Like, I've been getting away with throwing punches 50% of the distance for 16 years. You know how I know that you're one of the realists in the game and that you work your ass off? You know, I've been doing stand-up for a while, and you, and you transitioned into it. There's a, tiny, there's a tiny little dive bar, which is the toughest room in the United States, right? And I would yeah. see you getting up there on a little crate in front of three people at the dime. I even asked Chappelle about the dime. He goes, oh, man, you're going to bomb at the dime, dude? No, for uh, real. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I just went there and did it. Nobody told me that the dime was all comedians there looking to fucking look at you. They won't laugh if it ain't funny. Bro. They're not going to let you slide. I got up there, and I said, hey, you guys, you're probably wondering what I'm doing here. I heard from the back, yeah, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Like, literally, that was yeah. the first thing I heard when, when I got up on stage. <laughs> it is brutal, and you, you walk through all these different lanes, and it's so interesting yeah. that people don't realize that you're not afraid of these bright lights. Yeah, I'm not afraid. I mean, when I did my, when I, that was the first show I ever did was at the Dime Bar, and I went in there, and the first thing I said was, you know, Adam Hunter, my dog, shout out to him. He, yeah. he basically, he gave me a nice introduction, right? <laughs> and then um, I said, well... Don't forget, he said, I'm a UFC fighter. So if y'all think y'all going to hold back and like not laugh, I'm going to come out here and fucking start making bodies at the floor. Right. Motherfuckers are going to get knocked out. So if you <laughs> if the shit funny, don't hold that shit in. Right. You better fucking laugh. That broke the ice. There you, you know go. I mean? Now I was more relaxed. You there know you mean? go. Well, see, you're okay. smart enough to know from the jump, you have to admit to the truth. You guys, yeah. be real with me um, or else I'm going to beat your ass. Which is an interesting yeah. name of your tour, by the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Laugh or I'll fucking choke you out, bitches. The Tywin yeah, Woodley, sure. Woodley tour. <laughs> I love it, man. So listen, at the very end of your UFC career, it was interesting because I noticed, and, and tell me if I get it wrong, I noticed in a press conference you were saying, uh, it was before your last fight, that you, you're more grateful than you had been. Yeah. And, and you... I don't want to say you had regrets, but it's almost as if, and, and I, you know, I know cause I've been through this journey and yeah. you, did you get a little distracted by being the champ and taking the victory laps? And cause I know you and Dana were butt, butting heads a bit and I don't, you know, yeah, me, me, me and Dana butt heads, we, we butt heads because Dana likes me. He's a fan of me, but he don't like the fact that I'm so headstrong. And in his mind, he had a clear path on how he could have made me a big star. And in my mind, I'm a man. Don't don't tell me to be more like Connor. Fuck Connor. Like I like that's disrespectful to me. So at the end of the day, I was I was more grateful because I had to had to stop and I had to realize I don't own a UFC. They don't have to let me fight here. They don't have to let me utilize their platform. I didn't help build this. You know what I mean? So I could think that they should have promoted me a certain way. I could think that everything was a conspiracy theory. It really don't matter. All I had to do was go out there and fight and win. And I had a lot of times where I was thinking about the other stuff. And I did have the times where when I finally got to the belt, uh, it wasn't very enjoyable for me. So I turned up in other ways. And I used to spend reckless amount of money in the clubs, bought so much stupid shit. 
And um, to be honest, I was living a part of me that was like maybe the version of the younger tyrant that he couldn't afford. But now I got money. So now I can fucking turn up. I can do what I want to do. I can buy what I want to buy. And I was making millions of dollars. So at the end of the day, um, I, I kind of went from an alter ego to that alter ego almost trying to take over who Tyron was. And I had to kill a motherfucker. Like, no bullshit. Like, literally had an alter ego. We called him T-Money. When I got off the plane in L.A., it was a different person. Okay. When I got like, right in the driveway where I'm sitting at right now, I would get here. I would park. I would take my jury off. I would sit in the car and I would pray, take a deep breath, and I walk in the house and I'm dad. I'm in sweats. I'm in flip-flops. You know what I mean? And I was living two different lives. And part of it was suppressing, you know, like, I'm not going to act like certain things weren't fucked up that happened. Yeah, it was. But everything, to me, I'm from St. Louis. It's about respect. We live for it and we die for it. We will fucking kill you and we will fucking have your back over respect. So when I feel like when a man give me their word and they disrespect me by not keeping it, then my trust is gone. So I was always on the edge. I was always looking in the bushes for somebody to jump out. And I never really had that trust. And I feel like Dana and, and, and the UFC sometimes, like, every negotiation, every fight, Tyron, oh, I felt like it was a big sigh. Oh, my God, okay. How long is it going to take to get this fight done? But I'm going to be honest, towards the last three fights, they didn't have no problems with me. I didn't complain. I didn't ask for more money. I didn't argue opponents. I didn't argue venue. I just said, okay. And I and I, I never bashed them. I never bashed the UFC. Like, for literally five or six times. Like, it got to a point where I recognized that Dana White has too many compounding, like-minded colleagues in other sports and worlds that if he says one thing, it echoes so loud that my little shit gonna get smashed like a, like a soda can. So what was it helping for me to tell my version of the truth? Nothing. Never advanced me. And and you're so I just quit. And and so that's the old T money, right? Uh, he and, done. He out. And and what are we looking at now? Hey, right now I'm just blessed for the moment. I'm blessed to go out here and get a second chance to be at the top. I'm looking forward to, to chasing down a, a boxing world championship belt. Uh, I'm gonna start the party out by fucking up Jake Paul on Sunday. Uh, beating, I'm gonna punch him everywhere, neck, throat, head, back of the head. Give me all the warnings. Give me all the smoke. I'm, I'm it's gonna be nasty and brutal. I'm, I'm excited again. I'm happy again. It's been a long time since I felt this way, and I think this is just the beginning of me. Every fight is personal. If you sign the line, it's war. Everybody, I don't care who you are. If you sign on the line, you want to take away money from my family. You want to fuck up my legacy that I worked so hard for, and you know. I'm going to finish this race off like I saw it. I didn't see me losing four fights in a row and fucking having lackluster performances, even in victory. God never showed me that. So I'm going to turn up. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go big. And at the end of the day, everybody, when they, when they think of combat sports, it's going to be no way they don't think of me. I'm going to come up in their mind when they, when they talk about the conversation. So you're, you're just going to go out there and no matter what, you're going to die on your shield. I'm going to have I'm going to have I'm not going to die. I'm gonna fuck him up. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't. This this ain't a bucket list for me. Yeah. It's for him. He's gonna go out and down his shield because if he beats me, oh, it's like oh, his brother was so happy he lasted against Floyd. He celebrated. That's his greatest lifetime achievement in his life. Nothing else he's ever done could ever compare to lasting. Don't go anywhere. How you live in J. Piven will be right back after we pay some bills. You bet, you bet, you bet.
See, man, I got to tell you, when people say to you, I need you to kick his ass, you have to understand because you don't have the perspective they have. They understand the sacrifices you've made in your life to be where you're at. And it's a lifetime of being an elite mixed martial artist. And he's yeah. a guy that, that, you know, just came into it recently and they have their perception of him, even though he's got the best camp money can buy. And he's a young, strong kid with a ton of, uh, of potential. Right. So, but yeah. they, they see all the sacrifices you've made and the mountains that you've climbed and they want you to win for those reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the way I thought about it was different. Um, I thought that, oh, you got to beat him because because he annoyed them. But for us, it's so much pressure already. Pressure to go out there and actually perform. Pressure not to make mistakes. Pressure to beat this kid in a way that you should beat him based on what you did. So I'm like, why am I going to take your extra pressure of me beating him for you? But I never really saw it the way you just played it out. Yeah. Listen, you, you said it yourself. The, at the end of the you know your career in the UFC, you realized and owned your gratitude that you didn't have earlier. Yeah. You know? And the and forgive me, but the way you were acting, and it happens all the time, you were acting out of fear. So yeah. you were being reactive to Dana. I'm not Connor. Don't treat me like that. When the all they were doing is saying, "Here's the blueprint." Yeah, you're right. And here you are looking down the barrel of forty with a second chance. And I'm proud of you. Appreciate you, my man. I really am proud. I of mean, you. I like your perspective because you know what I mean. I never really thought about it that way. I never thought about the fans coming up and saying, I got to beat his ass that way. I never thought about, you know, the other side of, of Dana and those other guys. I just knew that I had to own my part. I could have been a little bit easier to deal with and work with. And I could have not always thought everything was a conspiracy. Some things were kind of fucked up, but I'm it's fighting. You know what I mean? They got to make a show happen. They got to promote a fight. They got to get a car feel and they got 40, 50 cards a, a year to fill. They can't be like fucking spending so much time on each fight every single time. And maybe I was one of those guys that every time they came around to my weight class and my belt, they already knew it was going to be a war. Um, and my mind is business. I can ask questions. I should be able to ask questions. And, you know, no other sport can you not just ask the fucking questions. You know what I mean? So I, di I didn't get that. But I, I appreciate you for kind of putting that in perspective because it, I'm already kind of at peace with it. But it makes me kind of see from their version. Um, I'm good. I mean, I have no smoke with the UFC, no bad things, no bridges. Who knows, man? Like my coach wife said something real important. I was like, you know, if I had these these skills and this mindset and this just the running and the thought process and the the the, the crispy instruction, I was one of the best ever in my division. At one point in time, I was in the top four, top five pound for pound of all weight classes. I said, had I had this, I'd have been the number one. Nobody would have been better than me. She said it ain't over. So don't be surprised. It's still people over in the UFC. I would love to ask the kick. Israel Adesanya, I don't like him. There's a lot of people, you know what I mean? So don't be surprised, you know what I mean? I, I don't close that chapter. I don't close that door. Listen, as a fan, I hear you and I appreciate it. As yeah. a fan, I look at Izzy and I'm in awe. What is it that you don't like yeah. about him? I like him I like him as a, as a fighter and I gave him so much props. Before he became a star, you, know, you can go back and date it and look at my TMZ show. Um, I said, I like this kid. He's a star. He's going to be a star. I like his style. I like his charisma. I like his variety. I bigged him up so many times, almost to the point of a bromance situation. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it, it got to the point where 
they asked me would I fight him to go up and um, wait. Of course I will. Most people I want to fight, I'm fans of. Robbie Lawler, I was a fan of. Carlos Khan is my favorite fighter ever. You know, George St. Pierre, I'm a fan of. Nick Diaz, um, Nate Diaz, Connor, um, Bisbing. Those are all people I respected. And to be great, you got to beat greats. So I wanted to fight them not because I thought they was weak and chumps and I didn't like them. I fucking really respected what they did. And they had to beat a great. Matt Hughes had to be defeated by fucking George St. Pierre for George St. Pierre to take off. Connor had to beat Jose Aldo to take off. I mean, Bisbing had to be um, fucking Bisbing. I mean, he had to be Luke Rocco, but he really had to stay consistent. He got his fame because he had 20, 30, 40 wins with no belt. You know what I mean? How about so the, every did, single person? Needed. Did you ever think you'd hear this sentence? You have to beat Jake Paul to take off in boxing. No, I don't. But I, I know it's God showing humility because don't sweat the technique. Just get the results. There you you know what I mean? If, if, this, this whole promo is a movie. They spending a bag on this. It is a movie, and they not even done. They got three three more things they're doing. They got another episode of the 24-7 All Access. They got some more um, footage coming out. Um, I got a big, big drop coming Thursday. Can't talk a lot about it yet. Uh, big drop Thursday, and my champ camp, my final episode, after we weigh in on Saturday, after it's too late to back out of the fight, no bitch claws intact, um, <laughs> you're going to see what I've really been doing. Yeah. The real footage is going to come out, the real training, the real sparring, the real shit. Everything else has been a, a baby sizzle, a real warm-up. Just My coaches won't allow me to give it out because he would have been scared. He would have backed out of this fight. But come Saturday, the final episode of Champ Camp, you will see what the work that was put in for this camp. I can't wait to see it. Is there any yeah. part of you that's seeking revenge for your boy, Ben? No, I mean, when I first when I first accepted the fight and um, – Ben, Ben is one of the Ben's the one that mentioned it. They said, "What do you think Jake should fight?" So I think he should fight Tyron. And I looked around like, "Shit, I fight him." That <laughs> that was enough. So when when he did that, you know, I feel like killing multiple birds with one stone. My pressure is going out there fighting, performing because I can, because I'm capable, because I'm prepped to. Everything else, everybody want to see him get his ass beat. Ben Askren, he's gonna get a nice little donation to his wrestling club. I, I promised him that. And then at the end of the day. Once I win, every door that will open, every door, every window is going to be there. But if I focus on each individual doors and windows now, it may take my mind off. It, it only takes a split second to lose focus in an MMA fight or a boxing fight for the lights to go out. So for me, I just need to keep that focus on that. And uh, that's what I've been doing. I love it, man. Well, you, you deserve it. You deserve everything that's coming to you. Sure. And I, I think you're... I, I'm seeing a different person with a different mindset this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm getting wiser, and I and I got great people around me, great coaches, great support system. Yeah. And then you know, I just cut the fat, man. I just, just trimmed the fat, got rid of the, the clingers and the and the people that was just around for the ride, and um, only the day ones and the people that have earned a position in my life right now are around. They love you when when you're winning. Who do they? Who do they? Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll be back around, but you'll be smarter this time. I wish you, I, I wish you the best, man. We are all in your corner. I appreciate you, my man. Thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah. We got to do the victory lap on them when I finish this. Count, finish this count me, off. and we, we will be on some stages together, doing various hell things. Hell yeah, hell yeah. That's what I need to be doing. <laughs> I got so many shows in my fucking notepad that I need to get up there. We, we, we definitely gonna do that one. Let's mix it up. Go take care of business. All right, my man, be good. You too, buddy. 
How You Live in J. Piven is a cast original podcast in association with Common Enemy and Penderfoot TV. Producer is Kyle Tequila. Theme song by Common. Executive producer for cast is Colin Thompson. Executive producers for Tenderfoot TV are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Executive producers for Common Enemy are Jared Einson and Dave Osco. Catch all new episodes of How You Live in J. Piven every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.